guys. I feel like you guys all had a few more drinks. There's a little bit more buzz and chatter out there. We doing good? Yeah? Okay, so I told you we have one final panel left, and uh, we're going to talk NHL headlines. I wanted to remind you, did you guys go check out this book? Down Goes Brown, History of the NHL. So, yes, round of applause. Do you know how much, like, blood, sweat, and tears went into this? He said it took him two years to write this, the whole process, top to bottom. I could never. Okay, so I'm going to introduce them. Oh, I got to call him out, though. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Johnson is in the building. He's not on the panel tonight, unfortunately, but we love having him here. So, yeah, feel free to bug him. Repping Masters Nation. We all want to get to the bottom of it. How much did it cost to polish his shoes, you know? <laughs> what do his shoes look like tonight? So, let's welcome our panel. We have Tyler Dello. Sean McIndoe, a.k.a. Down Goes Brown. And uh, should we get a drum roll? Like, everyone, like, bang on the table right now. There we go. Masters Nation, give it up for Mark Masters. You know... <laughs> Look at these fucking shoes. <laughs> Wow. Cheap black. Cheap that is chick repellent if I've ever seen it. It's okay. It's okay. He's got a wife. He makes her sit at the back of the plane when he gets right. bumped up. Is she here tonight? Honey? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, everyone wants to know. <laughs> what, what is it like working with Babcock? Because in all seriousness, Mark puts in a lot of hours at the rink. You can see it, right? Yeah. Blood, sweat, tears. This is the first time I've seen you out of a suit before. Yeah. Well, because we had a short day today. Practice was uh, outside. Uh, we didn't get much information out of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's one of those days, it's uh, there's a lot of local news. Uh, you're not going to get much uh, meat on the bones. It's like There's uh, crazy uh, fans all around the scrum, so not much to do today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I just decided, you know, these are my people. I can be comfortable in front of them. Wow. Really as appreciate that. As for working that. with uh, Mike Babcock, I describe it as terrifying. <laughs> he likes you, though. That's why he pokes fun at you. He makes me want to be a better man. <laughs> that is truly inspiring. If, 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 if I was you, I would have that, I'm proud of you. That, that would be my <laughs> ringtone when he said that after you got your shoes polished. That's amazing. <laughs> And it must just feel so good. Like, every time you heard it, your photo so I'm proud of you. Because you were nervous that morning. You were doing sidelines that night, or rinkside, rink sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, well, listen, I mean, uh, you know, it happened on the Friday night. Obviously, uh, my, my world gets turned upside down, and, <laughs> you know, my mom is like, we raised you better. <laughs> um, my wife's like, we actually do have shoe polish in the house. <laughs> I'm just doing the work of the people, you know? I'm just asking the tough questions. Uh, that's what I'm focused on, and then this blows up, and then you, you go home, and you know, there's the game Saturday night, and then Sunday was a day off, so <sighs> a chance to kind of do some soul searching and think about how you want to respond, and posted a video of me kind of shining up the shoes, uh, because I think a, a big part of this business is you know, admitting when you've made a mistake. Right. I think a lot of people see me as some sort of infallible guy 
I bleed. I bleed. I sweat. You know. Um, <laughs> hold hold on a second. Do you shine those shoes yourself? Like after? So, yeah. So, okay. Okay. So. Well, I, my wife helps. Okay. Right, so. <laughs> So this is so all, hold on a second. To be here. honest here, so so Babcock gave you that money for the shoe shine, and you're just banking that. <laughs> and American money. Nice. Okay, okay. So you're going into that, and I'm like, I got to address this. And the funny thing is, uh, our pregame show got canceled. We had technical difficulties, so the only thing that ever surfaced from that was the two parts <laughs> of the interview about the shoe shine, and not the other questions I asked about the power play and. <laughs> I don't even know what the other question was, but uh, so you're like, I gotta bring this up again, right? I mean, this is the only thing anyone cares about. I mean, we're in the dog days of the season. The shoe polish gate, or whatever it's called, is just on people's lips. I, I got back on Saturday. Where were we coming? So coming from Detroit, get back, go to the rink, and I'm walking around. I actually, was looking for a shoe shine place. It was uh, it was closed for the weekend, so I'm like, not my my couple days here. But somebody rolled down their window of their car and was just like. You get your shoes shined yet? <laughs> oh, man. Get out. And, of course, it happened to be this, you know, game on a Friday night coming out of the bye week where they have unveiling their new player. There's a lot of hype about this game. You know, we usually get the big games on the Quattro. That's TSN4. You guys know. <laughs> they save the big ones for the regional. Um, so it was big. Uh, and so... So, so you know, you know, there was this ceremony. Red Kelly, right? They're retiring his number. It took 70 years, but they got around to it. <laughs> like, so, like, 7.30 start is bad enough already. So that's what it's listed at, 7.30. That's what people, that's what it's listed at. If you went to the Maple Leafs website, it's listed at 7.30. So then, it, then they're like, then they told us it's going to be, like, more like 8, 8, 10 is puck drop. And we're like, oh, God. It's like 8.20. You know? yeah, yeah, and it took longer. So this pregame show is running long to begin with. So you sometimes it's pretty packed coming out of a break, and you can't even get into the, you know, Babcock's constantly, you know, has little comments for me before these interviews, playing mind games. And <laughs> frankly, they work a lot. I completely shelved my hardball questions and, <laughs> like, crap, you know, my shoes, you know, you know. You've done a great job with this team, Mike. How are you doing it? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, like, literally, people on Twitter are just like, is this game ever starting? They're talking about Mark Masters' shoes. But then there was another element being like, thank goodness there was this delay, so we got this amazing moment where Babcock completely destroyed Mark Masters. So, <laughs> anywho. Quality content, gotta yeah, say that. And that actually was the most entertaining part of the whole night, because the game was terrible. Um, and it went to overtime, of course, because it started, I don't know, we were in the room at 11, past 11, it was terrible. Did they at least let you in the charter? I know some places will no. let the local oh, guys, no. oh, no. I was, I've never been on the charter, even, but the Leafs Nation Network. Oh, I got to go last year once because we were changing over the sponsorship of the rink, right? So it went from Air Canada Center to Scotiabank Arena, and so they wanted to do this whole swan song. And uh, they did a contest at the end of the season where all the fans got to go to one playoff game in Boston on the Leafs charter. Honestly? How do they get to travel like that every single game? They were like, would you like a mimosa? How about a warm cookie? I was like, uh, yes, please. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's great. I don't want to, like, That's why I put it. in the upgrades all the time, you know. Yeah. It's, it's tough going uh, commercial, but uh, you get up there, you get the warm towels. Yeah. You guys, obviously, I assume also business, so um, it's nice. It makes it a little bit better. Nothing like charter, though. That's amazing. I know. Did they know your name? Like, when you're in the charter, did they, did they know who you were? No. Okay, so when I when I used to travel with you, I traveled with the others a bit, 
and they the the flight attendants they'll learn the names of everyone on the plane, and they like do the work so they know it when you get on. Really? And the problem was my picture wasn't anywhere. So they just, I think they, they were like, maybe it's the assistant GM. <laughs> so they were like, like I, get, I get on, and they're like, they're like, hello, Mr. Scott. And I was like, ah, he's good looking, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean, you just wrote a book. It's right over here. Can we get a round of applause? <laughs> so we were talking a little bit backstage, the whole process. Did you like it? Did you love it? it Tell it, us. It was a lot of fun. First of all, I can announce the sequel is coming out next year. It's going to be like 80% about the shoe incident. So that's <laughs> really... I've agreed to a sit-down interview, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. Yeah, no, the, uh, it, I, I've, people have asked, like, what, you know, what inspired you to write the book? And I've said it combined uh, my, my three favorite things, the three most important things in my life is hockey, uh, it, my love of history and my complete inability to realize how long a project you couldn't take before I agree to do it. Because I sat down and they were like, you can do this in like three months, right? And I was like, that sounds about right. I think I can do it. And then I sat down to start writing and I was like, oh no, I've made a terrible <laughs> mistake. Uh, and it, uh, it, it, it basically uh, it was a summer. It was an interesting summer. Uh, but it was fun. There's a, there's a famous quote about writing where somebody says, I don't like writing, I like having written. Uh, and when it comes to having a book, I don't like, I don't recommend writing a book, but if you can ever have written a book, that part is pretty sweet. <laughs> Try to do that. You're only telling half the story, though, because, like, you could also be Cardi B's, like, stage partner. It, it, well, All those I, hours in the sound booth? I, yeah, I could be. Yeah, that was it because they, they that, this was, again, this is, this is me not realizing what I'm agreeing to because they, uh, they called me up and they said, how would you feel about an audiobook version of your book? And I was like, that would be amazing. That would be great. And they said, okay, excellent. Good. Glad to hear. And, and I said, so who did you get to, to voice it? <laughs> And they're like, you don't understand. You're voicing it. Like, you're like, you, you, congratulations on reaching the level where you get an audiobook, but you are nowhere near the level where we get someone famous to do the audiobook. <laughs> you go. And so I had to go into a booth, and, uh, and, and, and I, I, again, I thought, I honest to God, when I agreed to do it, I pictured myself like sitting at my dining room table with like my microphone plugged into the laptop and just like reading the book. Like, how hard can that be? And it's, it's not that. They made me go and sit in a booth with a big picture of Snoop Dogg because he'd apparently been there once. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what set of circumstances has to happen for Snoop Dogg to be in Ottawa and be like, I need a booth right now. But they... they I, I don't I know, got, man. He puts out a lot of albums. He, like if, if you ever go look at like his discography or however you say that word, there's a lot of stuff since the last one you'll remember. I got I to gotta find out which song it was recorded in Pimp Ottawa. Juice, probably. Probably. Yeah, let's just mm-hmm. say we'll go with that. So yeah, I, I had to record and it, and it was it was lots of fun because I learned lots of things about myself. I learned that when I write, I write really long run-on sentences that make you hate them if you have to read them out loud. Uh, and uh, I also learned that the certain words I can't pronounce, that I, I'd gone through life without knowing. I actually found out that I cannot pronounce the Detroit Red Wings. The, the, is yeah. it Detroit? I've never that, said no, Detroit. No, but that's an Ontario thing. Like, if you ever hear Elliot Friedman say Detroit, it's like got four syllables. It's like yeah. Detroit. Well, I, I can't. I can't do either one of them. I can't do if, if I'm if I'm writing said, but you know, blah blah blah, and the Detroit Red. I get I get tripped up, and I, they ended up having to sit me down. They're like, this is actually a common thing because what you're doing is you're making a th sound, and your tongue does this, and then you go the the duh, and your tongue does that, and then you get all screwed up. But the problem is, I don't know if you've ever written a 300-page book about NHL history. 
But that time, the no. Detroit yeah. Red Wings show up once or twice in this book. <laughs> And so I'm just sitting there, like, reading, because the way it works is if you, if you screw up, you have to go back and start at the sentence. You don't have to do a whole paragraph or a page, but if you screw up, you got to go back and do the sentence over again. And somebody comes in your ear and very politely tells you you screwed up. And that's their whole job, is to think of polite ways to tell you you just screwed up reading something that you yourself wrote. <laughs> and, and I would just get to these, and, and these, inc- like, I'd look ahead, and I'd see this, like, incredibly long run-on sentence of flowery, poetic language about this big, giant brawl between the Colorado Avalanche and the Detroit. I'd be like, God damn it. And I'd trip it up and they'd be like, let's do it again. And I'd screw it up again and they'd be like, okay, one more time. And I'd be like, let's... Uh. And it was like to the point where I, I, I swear, if I ever do another book, you're going to be reading the book and you're going to be like, how come he doesn't mention the Red Wings anywhere in this book? That's why. It's in case I have to do the audio version again. I'm never saying that stupid team name. I had trouble with the Bruins. I do. Oh, boy first playoff series uh, that the Leafs were in that I covered back in 2013, I was doing a radio hit, and dra- we, we were pulling out all the stops. This is the first time the Leafs were in the playoffs since, what, 04? It, it was like a miracle. It's lockout short season. It's they got in, playing, playing Boston. I'm doing a radio hit in the car with uh, Darren Dreger and Ryan Rashog, and after I hang up, <laughs> Darren's like, Dregs is like, how do you say Boston's team name, Mark? I'm like, oh, God. I was just calling them the Bruins. I do that, too. The Bruins. It's hard to say Bruins. So he'll heckle yeah. me from time and, to time. And nothing helps you pronounce Bruins. something no. like somebody pointing, pointing out to you yeah. that you pronounce <laughs> it like, wrong. Bruins, yeah. yeah. Bruins, yeah. I'm sure I'll get that right yeah. the next five I still times. do it. I Now I just avoid saying Bruins. I'm glad Boston. I'm not alone. I'm the not bees. alone. Yeah. From now on, when you see Mark on TV, I want Mark to remember when he's talking with the Bruins. I want remember this moment. And everyone here, when you're watching him, just know that he's thinking, don't fuck up saying Bruins. <laughs> Even if I screw up saying uh, Bruins, they'll still remember me most for the shoe polish, right? So yeah, I have that, that going for yeah. me. Okay, I don't even know where to start with you guys because we said NHL headlines, so there's many different directions that we can go. So do you guys have a lot of questions? I just want to, like, poll the audience. Are there a lot of people? Should we just talk? How we feeling? Let's just get the shoe questions, questions? out of the way. Yes, early. any questions <laughs> for them? No, you oh, yeah, do. There seems to be a few. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, we could fire it up. I'll come back on stage later. Bye. I'll be back. You got to give the people what they want, you know. Right? Sorry, guys. Okay, who was no, it you? Yeah. Do like a political <laughs> town hall and like step forward. Yeah. Hey guys, um, going into the summer with all the contracts being signed, do you think the Leafs will do anything with Marlowe's contract in terms of shipping him out, Robodai Island? Who knows? I think Robodai Island will be tough. Um, I think that the portal to it. I think Lou was the only one who knew where it was and. <laughs> He sealed it. He sealed it when he left. Probably, um, it's you know I, I think that that's going to be a tricky situation for them uh, as an organization. They obviously have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Like you see the coach and the players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, and he also has a lot of control over that situation. And you know, one thing that's kind of struck me about Kyle, just sort of watching him operate. Um, you know, when the player has control that they've earned, whether through negotiation or whether through, you know, guys like Nylander and Matthews kind of hitting uh, restricted free agency, he seems to not be from the school that kind of bitches and moans about that. Like, you sort of work with it. And so I think that what happens with Marlowe will end up a lot on what Marlowe wants to happen. That's my theory. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's, and I know it's tough for Leaf fans because clearly when you look at the cap situation, that's the one that stands out. And that's the one where you might like him as a player, you might even like him as a person, but that's the one where you're like, oh, if, if that disappeared, that'd be so great. I just, I just don't see the scenarios short of him wanting to go somewhere, and I don't know where he would want to go. I mean, you could, you could maybe imagine him wanting to go back to San Jose, but they're capped out too, so that's not, <laughs> that's not going to work. Uh, if he retires, remember they don't get any cap relief on that. So uh, there's, there's just not a lot of scenarios where that makes sense, unless uh, it is something amicable can, can be worked out. And I don't know, I, I, I don't see scenarios where that's going to happen, unfortunately. And I'll just add that. There, the love for him in that dressing room is it's genuine like sometimes there's lip service obviously the guy's a legend but Austin doing that at the all-star game and Chris Johnson wrote about this recently uh, we actually went on Detroit on that fateful day uh, like they love him they they love him I was I had to do a story about because Marlo played well in the first two games out of the break so we were doing a story on his strong play out of the break kind of you know the Turks and Caicos served him well and uh, all that you know Austin joked about that and I asked Morgan Riley I'm like you know what have you seen from Patrick Marlowe in the two games out of the break? I was just looking for a little support sound, and he almost, he was, he took issue almost that you would question he wasn't playing better before. Mm. It's like, I don't know, 1,600 great games. Hard for me to, you know, pinpoint a two-game sample size. Like, they are very protective of him, and so there might be something to the idea that, you know, what he brings to that room, you know, goes beyond the numbers. Yeah. We have another question. Hello. Um, I heard the Oilers are looking for a new GM. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, if you guys were taking that interview, what you would be answering all the questions that they asked. All of them. <laughs> hmm. Who amongst us should start? Uh... So, sorry, sorry. What was the question? What, what, what was... What, just specify that question a bit. When they ask you any of the questions that they're going to ask, what is your answer? To any of the questions? I get one answer for any question? Any question. How do you fix this? How do you fix this? Like, what do you do? I know, I know Gretzky and Messier and Kevin Lowe and Craig McTavish, so I'm sure I'll figure it out. Doesn't that? Yeah. <laughs> They got to get more. They got to get more out of McDavid, no? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Got to find a way. <laughs> There's no good answer to this question. It's it's, it's a hard. It's a hard. It's, it's a hard thing to. You know, I don't know. They need some. They're wingers. gonna make the playoffs. They they need some wingers and some D. That's you know. How do you feel about their goaltending? Well, they're locked into the one guy, so... How do you feel about their goaltending? Uh, I don't know. Look, they're a good organ... Like, this is... <laughs> I don't know... No, I, I don't... I... They're a good organization, and they're, they're good people, and I'm sure they're working hard, and they'll get it figured out. And you guys think that that's lip service, but I really do know a lot of them. They are good people, and I feel bad for what they've been through. So, it, yeah, they... It's It's... You know, anyway, that was my little joke answer. That's my serious thing. Sean, be funny. All right. Can, can we get a round of shots up here and then do this question again in about 10 minutes? And uh, we'll get the... Uh, we'll get the I, I, I said this to you back there. I think you would be an excellent candidate because you satisfy the number one requirement for working for the Edmonton Oilers, which is that you have previously worked for the Edmonton Oilers. Do you think that Connor McDavid is going to request a trade... 
mean, wh- when was the last time that this isn't the a NBA. star player like actually tried to do? Because here's the thing, and I, you know, this this will be probably the first of many moments where I, I go all old man and hike up my pants and, and start telling you about how the NHL used to be, but this used to happen all the time. Like there there was a time in the NHL where every year three or four or five star players, like I'm talking elite level star players would just demand a trade or a new contract. They would just hold out. You just start the season, and there was no, uh, you know, there was no Pavel Bure this year. There's no this guy. There's no that guy uh, because they wanted a trade, and, and they would eventually get it. And, you know, and I know in the 2004 lockout, everybody focused on the salary cap and the new rules and all of this, but, but one of the biggest things is they took all of that out, and they basically made the contracts guaranteed, but guaranteed both ways, where once you signed, that was it. And if you're a player in the NHL today, you know, uh, you don't really have any leverage. Like, it used to be that you could just go home and say, I'm not going to play. And you really, I mean, in theory, you can do that these days. But I, 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 again, like, if if Connor McDavid decided he wanted out of Edmonton, I mean, first of all, I would assume that he would try to do it behind the scenes. But that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be hard to pull off. Uh, You know, I, I just, unless he's actually willing to pack up and go home or to really, do a you know take, tr- do the media tour and and really try to put pressure and, and that doesn't seem to fit any sort of description of his personality I've heard of. It's just uh, you know I, I I'm unless there are some examples I'm, I'm drawing a blank on anyone in recent years who is actually uh, anywhere near the level of a star who has forced their way out of a out of a situation short of hitting free agency and then and then leaving that way. I think it's just, I mean just every as you said everything we've you know learned about this guy. He he's takes it very personally. He he wants to be part of the solution, like just covering him at the World Juniors. You know, he he was he just gets so personally invested in the team. Sometimes he comes off as as cold or whatever, but you know he. I don't think we're at that point yet. And Ryan Rashog, who covers obviously the team in T, for TSN and Edmonton, has you know said something similar. When people on Twitter obviously are dreaming of a potential McDavid becoming available, but it just doesn't fit. I don't think for him as a person. You know, and I think it's important to keep in mind too. You know, I agree with what these guys have said about you know the way he is, which is what I've heard. But I also think it's important to keep in mind that like the Oilers do have some things going for them. Like they've got three. You know, they've they've got center depth that might be as good better than anyone in the NHL like that's how good their center depth is and so you know like they've got some issues they need to find some guys and put the puck in the net to play with those guys and they need some D but you know it's not it's not New Jersey in 1982 like they aren't bereft of anything and you know I, I do think people out east sometimes don't realize like if you win in Edmonton it is pretty cool and like you know what like i've been in toronto in the playoffs and it's great but edmonton's great too in the playoffs and you know it sucks right now for those guys but i fully expect that they'll get it sorted out and get some wingers and you know make the playoffs at some point congratulations on coming up with the new oilers marketing slogan not the 1982 devils (laughs) (laughs) not bad i have another question on the left side for you guys Hey guys, so Komarov's gone, Martin's gone, Marlo's gone soon, uh, Hainsey's probably going to die of exhaustion. Who is the next, sorry, it's going to happen, who's going to be the next team dad? There's a bit of a power vacuum there, and I hope Paul Martin. I don't know, have you seen, did there. you see Matthew's hairline in those pictures? <laughs> I, I can make that joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Nazim could be a really cool dad. Yeah. He's more of an older brother type, though. Uh, uh, whew, older guys. On I, team. I mean, they don't really have no. the older guy. I mean, I feel like Team Dad will be sort of a position they'll go out and bring somebody in, and, right. and hopefully this time maybe bring him in on a one or a two year deal and not on a three year deal plus. Yeah, not Team Dad who like went out and made a bunch of money. You yeah. don't need that anymore. It's got to be more like Team like Mom's boyfriend is more what we're looking for. <laughs> in, like, be around for a while, play play a few songs on the guitar, and then get out of here. <laughs> the the goat the goat has some dad like tendencies. His love of puzzles. And <laughs> I don't know. The goat could be the dad. He was pretty beloved too. Uh oh. Well. <laughs> So it wasn't a good joke anyway. <laughs> Carry on. Move on. Okay, next question. All right, guys. So uh, if it's uh, Hobbs f- Leafs first round, how many games do you think it'll take the Hobbs to beat the Leafs? <laughs> and then... Uh, Security? And then I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess the second question is, uh, you know, we're two and a half, almost three years after the Weber-Suban deal. Uh, Shea Weber's having a hell of a season since he's come back from injury. And P.K. Subban... Uh, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Is, is the Subban deal like suddenly back? Like, is this? Yeah. Is this, is this, it's, like, it's like I thought these people had disappeared. I hadn't heard anything for a year and a half. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear a uh, revised take on that, on that deal. Yeah, my, my revised take is uh, that Shea Weber has been playing much better uh, ever since coming back from the serious injury that he had, which is the sort of injury you tend to have when you're an aging defenseman who's... Uh, look, I mean, it, the, we all knew when that, uh, when that trade went down, when you looked at the players, you looked at their ages, and you looked at the contracts... If that deal was going to work for Montreal, what had to happen is Montreal had to win the deal by a mile for the first few years, then it would even out, and then towards the end, chances are it would, it would be to, to Nashville's advantage. That was the path to feeling good about the deal if you're Montreal, and I don't think that's happened. Now, you know, it's certainly, you're right, it's, it's Shea Weber's playing very well right now, and there might be people out there who will say, today, right now, one game to play, that's the defenseman I want out of those two. But Montreal needed to really win the first three years of that deal uh, by, by a pretty healthy margin, uh, in my mind, to feel good about it, and I, I don't think that that's happened. I also think, like, you know, when Montreal made that deal, did Bergevin not say, like, you know, this is a, you know, like, it, it's a deal about winning now? Like, it's, you know, like, he, I think he was pretty open that, yeah, like, we're here to win now, and things didn't go so good, and, uh, you know, PK's got, uh, what, one Clarence Campbell trophy already, and, um, you know, maybe this has been a bit of a down year for him. I think he's been hurt. But, you know, he's, he's a high, high-end player on a very, very good Nashville team that, you know, unfortunately for them last year, ran into the best team, you know, in my view, one of the best teams in the league. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can't, you know, it's nice that Shea Weber's done well this year, but the deal's a debacle for Montreal in the sense that, you know, they're nowhere near winning a cup. And, and you know what? Like, hey, tons of credit to the Habs this year. They're fun to watch. They're, you know, they're playing in a way that takes advantage of what they can do. And, you know, like I have all sorts of good things to say about the Habs, but I'm kind of with Sean. It's like you can't make a deal sort of, you know, we're trading for today and then today isn't as good. And you're like, ah, but he was good when he came back from his massive injury. Like, it's just, for me, that doesn't fly. No. <laughs> Leafs in six. Yeah. I'm taking the first part of the question. It hasn't happened since 78. 
It's crazy. So really? I'm guessing it won't happen still somehow this year, and it's going to be Boston-Toronto, but Leafs in six. When's the last time the Leafs beat him? Was it 67? <laughs> uh, Does anyone uh, yeah. in this room know? Sean, you sh- yeah. didn't you write I, a book about I, Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you want them to I buy it? I seem to remember. Oh, yeah, yeah no spoilers. They only, they, 67, and they only played twice in, in a full series since then, which is uh, the end of the 70s, even though they've been in the same division for, uh, you know, the last 20 years. It's pretty, it, it, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's kind of like very NHL luck that, like, we haven't had that series or a Battle of Alberta. Right. In, you know, like, and, like, I know lots of you people are young, but the 1991 Battle of Alberta was, like, and I'm going to go old man here, was, like, the most violent, crazy thing I've ever seen in my life. And we haven't seen one in almost 30 years. And that was, like, like it was, like, the whole province shut down. I'm sure if Montreal plays, you know, Toronto, yeah. like, it'll just be, you know, shut well, out the I lights. I mean, you know, and, and, and you're right. I mean, we're we're jinxing by even talking about it but we were one game away 2013 yeah 2013 was it was it was done and the senators screwed it up so thanks ottawa uh and uh but i mean it's it could realistically have both of those series this year you know edmonton gets in or or even i mean edmonton could get in as a wild card and also give us edmonton winnipeg which would be another hell of a series from another throwback to the glory days exactly we break dave ellett out and uh get let him do the media round so I don't know. I, I feel like every year I do, like, I, I start around this time getting excited about the matchups we might get, and then we have them right up until the final weekend, and then they're and like... And then Carolina storms yeah. in, and we... Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, no, it's Columbus, and everyone's like, oh, okay. Well. Luckily, we have this great format that makes it more likely. Yes. <laughs> and the regular season so meaningful. Yes. Another question? So you guys are around NHL teams a lot more than the audience is. What is one thing NHL GMs and coaches, when interviewed, are just lying through their teeth about that we may not realize? Mark, uh, I think this guy might have just popped your bubble. Sometimes they lie to you. <laughs> the, the questions I ask usually elicit pretty honest answers because I cut through the crap and I think they appreciate that. That's a good question though. Yeah. Right, can, the other can, I, can I give an answer as somebody who doesn't actually interview GMs but I'm going to tell you and, and anybody who reads my stuff knows exactly where I'm about to go with this. NHL GMs are lying to you when they tell you that it's too complicated to make trades. Okay? <laughs> because of the salary cap. Like we just saw NBA. I don't know if there's any basketball fans here. Okay. <laughs> Back me up, right? In the NBA, making a trade in the NBA with their salary cap is so much more complicated than in the NHL. They have all these rules. It, it's out, everything has to balance out in specific ways to the point where people have like developed whole like websites just so you can go and find out if a trade is even allowed under their rules. And the NHL doesn't have any of that. And yet in the NBA, they just, you know, they, they, they trade franchise players over a couple of days. And in the NHL, we're told that getting a fourth liner in less than three months is somehow beyond the capabilities of, of these guys because there's a salary cap. It's a lie. They only tell it because we believe it and we let them off the hook. We need to stop doing that. When Lou Lamorello was GM of the Leafs, I felt like the whole scrum was kind of clouded in a murky kind of... You didn't get much information there. He didn't lie as so much as he didn't say anything. Yeah, I think that that's really the big thing is that, and you'll see this more and more as guys will realize that, 
you know, saying something has no value to you most of the time. So, but you have to say something, right? So, like, I always, and I used to do this myself, you know, and I guess that maybe that's more, like, really my big takeaway or one of my points here. I used to, like, you know, oh, you know, the GM's talking. Let's parse his comments. And then you realize that a lot of it's just, for a lot of these guys, it's like, well, you got to say something. So, you know, what can you say that won't get people screaming at you and that people won't throw in your face in three months if things don't go well. And so that is really the challenge when you do those, is not to get the media killing you, the fans killing you, or to create a quote that will haunt you uh, in the afterlife. I feel like when GMs offer the dreaded vote of confidence for an embattled coach, I feel like they're saying it, but they're thinking, like, this guy is on such thin ice. Like, <laughs> honestly, I'm saying this now to give him one last chance, but, but he's I don't even out know, the door. I don't even know how they say that. Like, like you know, oh, yeah, no, I Total vote of confidence. Like yeah. the next time, the next time a GM, you should mark. I'm going to tell you how to do your job here. <laughs> the next time, um, what you should do is you should. Uh, TSN's got a ma- you have a massive research staff, right? Like you're supported by a team yeah, of forty I mean, or fifty people. We over have there. it. I don't need you just it. Just don't but, have a shoe you know. shine guy. <laughs> but but what you should do is you should have someone research how often does a vote of confidence lead to a firing within like two weeks and the next time a GM drops that on you you can go look 95% of the time oh that would be an unreal follow up but then and just, GM would hate you well yeah but he's probably going to get fired soon anyway very cyclical 95% of GMs who offer a vote of confidence two weeks later he's fired yeah that would be interesting just to see the response it would be fun it would be great TV and that's really all I care about. So. Yeah, and Mike Babcock respects you already, so what more do you need? I got that in my back pocket. Proud of me. You had mentioned about GMs getting fired. You look at a team like the Philadelphia Flyers. They relieve Ron Hextel of his duties, and then they bring up Carter Hart. They've now won, what, eight straight games in a row. Do you think that they could kind of turn around their fortunes this season? No. <laughs> They won, what, eight in a row? They're still seven points out. It's so hard. Yeah, I think it's pretty. You just, it's you nice, get, but. You, get, it's, it's, you know what? Like, their problem is they're not in the Western Conference. <laughs> right. Like, I think this room is probably in, like, playoff contention in the Western Conference. As a group, we're, like, four points out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, unfortunately for the Flyers, the Eastern Conference is a little more legit than the West. So, for me, it's hard to see them getting back into it. Carolina's making a real good run right now, so... My money's on no. Sean? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't obviously like their odds they've got so far to go. I, what, what fascinates me is I would love to... Is, are, are, does there happen to be any Flyer fans here? Is anyone here a Flyer fan? It, it, what I would love to know is to... to you know, I, I know they're loving the win streak and they're loving Carter Hart and all that, but is this actually a good thing? Because this is doing two things, what's happening right now. It's, it's obviously messing up their chances of winning the draft lottery. And number two, like, the whole Joe Quenville thing just seems to be drifting away because they've got this coach that everybody was like, oh, yeah, he's permanent. Sure he is. And now, you're, you know, he's, he's making this playoff run, and they're going to end up getting locked into, like, Scott Gordon for three years. And halfway through next year, they're going to be like, oh, crazy. As, Scott, as Joel Quenville's in Florida, like, you know, leading that team. Even if they got Joel Quenville, they'd want him fired halfway through next year. Like, Probably. That's, yeah. Philly. Two, on the Western Conference thing, which is just amazing to watch play out. I, it's, I'm scoreboard watching every night it's amazing uh it's like the best worst episode of our series of survivor ever but twice western conference teams have come through toronto this season i think the avalanche had lost 
I don't know what it was, like 10 in a row. And like Nathan McKinnon's like, we've lost 10 in a row, but we're still in a playoff spot. So life's pretty good. It's and awesome. And like two nights ago when Randy got done making fun of me for my shoe thing, uh, he was all like, we've lost 15 of 17, but we're still three points out. It's like, what league is this? It's like, what the hell is going on? It's like, like, or one went away from being one point out. It's like, that's legitimate. But like when you're in the dressing room, it feels like death. So yeah, well, that's like, a, they're always saying like, you know, oh, it, you know, if we just win a few and you're always want to say no, because even if you win a few because of the loser point and because there's so many teams ahead of you, someone's going to be winning. Someone's going to be getting points. And, you know, we always uh, have that that old cliche where you win five in a row and you look at the standings, and you only gained like one or two points. But this year, like Chicago wins five in a row and you're like, oh, you gained eight points on the entire <laughs> so, so while we're up here, field. While we're up here, and you know what? I just checked because I'm like, will there be comedy gold if I look at the uh, West Coast scores right I now? I had my phone there out. There is comedy gold. <laughs> Colorado's losing. Uh... Colorado's Anaheim's good. losing 3 nothing to Ottawa, who played last night. <laughs> Clash of Titans! <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, the Stars are losing. The Oilers are winning, but, but they're playing the Wild, who are also in that race. So obviously and they just the Wild lost Koivu. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. The Canucks are losing to the Blackhawks. The Canucks are nominally, I think they're ahead of the Blackhawks uh, right now. So Chicago's right back in that race. The Coyotes are losing to the Blue Jackets. So, so basically, everybody loses every night. It's like, I've never seen anything like it. It's awesome. Raptors are winning. Um, they uh, might get a spot in the West. They might get one. Can you imagine the Raptors? <laughs> They'd take it. I just want to say, I feel like I let a lot of people down here because when Randy Carlisle came back to town and started his news conference after his team had lost 15 of 17 games with a shot at me, I could have said, good one, Randy. Oh, brutal. I feel like I left it on the table there. I was just so surprised. Put some enthusiasm into it, Mark. I, you know, that's what I lack. I feel like that's a... You know what, though? Hey, while we're talking about things coaches and GMs do in press conferences, an excellent trick to avoid talking about something is to come out with some... Yeah, Randy was just trying to, you know, keep that you bastard. away. I know, I, I know. I felt bad for him. I'm like, I know, and that's what he's, he's just taking advantage of your good nature. He went for like 12 minutes. It was like nostalgia. He was talking about Nas, and I didn't hate Jake. That got blown out of proportion. I'm like, yeah, you did. Um, we won that, that series against Boston yeah, in 2013. This, this history. 12 minutes he went for a coach who had lost 15 of 17. It was crazy, but uh, yeah. Okay, next yeah. question. Randy, good one. Hey, guys. So just a quick question. Um, I was reading a report from Bob McKenzie that both Mark Stone and uh, Matt Duchesne will not be resigning with the Ottawa Senators, and they're looking to trade them. If it's for real the end of their tenure in Ottawa, where do you see them as a potential fit uh, for a trade partner in terms of fit for them and return? And also as a quick follow-up question, how good will Jack Hughes look in an Avalanche jersey? (laughs) Avalanche could have the first and second overall picks. In this next draft, <laughs> which has that ever happened before? No, but they're they're going to play games against other Western Conference uh, teams. And somebody true. has to win, so they'll probably accidentally pile up some points. That's true. I mean, I, I, let me uh, to start as as kind of the Ottawa based guy. I the sense in Ottawa more and more over the last few days is is that. Duchesne might get done, and I think it's related to Stone, because everybody in Ottawa, at least on in, in terms of the fans, has kind of figured that Stone was going to stay, because this this was the guy, he was drafted by the team, he's going to be the next captain, he's he's the, the face of the franchise, such as it is, and it, it's only been like the last week or so that that suddenly kind of stopped being the, the sense that you got out of that team, and I think if, it, you know, if, if I was Matt Duchesne, I don't know that I'd want to stay in Ottawa, but if I was Matt Duchesne, and I want to stay in Ottawa 
and I wanted to do it at as high a number as I could, the very best thing that could happen would be for Mark Stone to say, I don't want to stay. Because at that point, they're going to be looking out at a fan base that's that's pretty much ready to riot. And they're going to go, all right, open up the checkbook. What does it take to keep at least one of these guys so that we don't have to lose both of them? How weird was it that the Melnick thing broke during the game last night, or they sent out a release. Was that not kind of like, I'm like, what? what is this? I, They're playing I, like, against their top rival on a national televised game here, on here, some here other are network. My, my two favorite things about the Eugene Melnick statement, which I hope you saw, because this actually, this is, this is like, and, and I had somebody get mad at me because they're like, uh, you know, they're like, well, it wasn't in quotes. So we didn't, it's like, dude, it's a statement from, from the, the PR team. team. Like, <laughs> I think we can, my Just two favorite things up. was the, the fact that first of all, he's, he's talking only two years in the future, but he makes like vague reference to like the GM is going to tell me, <laughs> which that couldn't make Pierre Dorian feel very good where you're like, you couldn't like slip my name into it. But my, my other thing that I, uh, is that I like is that, uh, if, if you haven't heard the Ottawa senators, once they're done their rebuild in two more years, are going to go on an unparalleled yes. five years. Five year, five years of unparalleled success. Now, as the history guy here, I can tell you, I looked it up. The NHL record for most Stanley Cups won in five years is five. <laughs> so apparently, six is the starting point for where the Senators are going to be in two years. In this year. So congratulations to any Ottawa fans out there on your six or more Stanley Cups you're going to win in the next five years. <laughs> So uh, when that release came out, like I emailed, like I got in touch with our desk and I'm like, like, listen, obviously we're always on the Leafs, but you know, do you want me to go into the Sens room and you know, do we need reaction to this? You know, the owner, you know, making this statement, uh, like 30 seconds later is like, stick with Leafs. (laughs) Toronto Sports Network. Did you guys have, do you guys have like a Mark Masters, but for Ottawa? Brent Wallace? Oh, was he, would he have been here last night? No, no. I, the, we only travel really with the Leafs. Oh, I mean, really? RDS goes with Montreal, but so we always have a camera at Montreal. But yeah, I'm the only man who's the Iron Man. Right. can right. get there in the trenches every day. That's why my shoes get so scuffed up. So you're like TSN Chris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. He's got a nice beard. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I'm just grinding away, but yeah. Other, I mean, some trips we go, like, you know, Ryan will go. I think Brent was actually just on the last uh, Sens trip. Obviously, when, when Carlson was going through that whole time, right, where he wasn't talking to the media, but he could talk any day, like Brent was at every one. But, like, right. every game, we have to be at the Leafs. With good reason, because you're all here. and yeah. Toronto fans, man. I love it. Whoop, whoop. Masters Nation. Oh. <laughs> Next question. Uh, so I think we know that pulling personality out of uh, hockey players in interview can be kind of challenging. So I wonder if you had any uh, particular approaches to that. This is my number one challenge. Mark is actually really good at this. Sorry, I'm like the voice of God right now. But Where are you? Hi, to the left. Yes, oh, there you are. somewhere back here. It doesn't even matter. But no, oh, Mark is jokes. gold at this. Cause, because every, every day, all the beat reporters have to go into the dressing room, and they kind of just stare at each other, and it's like, who's going to ask the first question? And Mark will be like, oh, so, Nas, I saw that you started an Instagram page about your cat. Tell me uh, about that's that. That's a story I really have a lot of pride in. <laughs> the Nazim Kadri cat story. No, Actually, I think The Athletic did the story on that first. Gems. But I followed up on it. Obviously, it had to be uh, So, yeah, yeah. So, TSN, like, you know, they probably got one subscription to The Athletic that they all share. <laughs> <laughs> and they just fucking lift ideas. Uh, I actually saw that on Reddit originally. <laughs> 
Anywho, it was a really well done story in The Athletic, and I said, hey, best adapted screenplay time, and uh, <laughs> which is kind of how television works sometimes. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, my strategy on that is, because television's all about really you know, personality to a degree, right? The people want it. You want to see these guys and you want to see them in, in some sort of animated form. You don't want them just being like pucks in deep and whatnot. So my strategy a lot of times is just to try and, I don't know, ask different types of questions or try and have some fun or create, inject some humor into it, which has been proved challenging with the Leafs in my first few years because they were so terrible and no one wanted to laugh about it. Um, but, or they didn't want to look like they were laughing about it. So that's my strategy is just, I don't know. I, I remember Kadri, uh, you know, I was a big Colbert Report fan back in the day and Kadri was just coming up and his first breakout season in the lockout short season, he was shooting percentage was through the roof and he's going crazy. And I had a really good rapport with Clark MacArthur. He was like my favorite interview. I, every day I pretty much pitched a Clark MacArthur story, but I went up to him and I said, Clark, Nazem Kadri great player or the greatest player and he was just like Toronto media <laughs> they like to take shots at the media so you can usually be a good punching bag and let them give you know serve up a softball and they can hit it right back in your face but you just gotta try and ask something different because if you ask the same stuff over again they're just gonna get into that zone right and then once you get into that zone and you just like they're just yeah it's not good so that's the biggest challenge it's tough it's not easy I was up to 3am I could not come up with a storyline for today that was going to be interesting at all Marner's a good playmaker Matthews is amazing it's like blah 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 you need something did you hear about Marner's agent (laughs) <laughs> that was good yesterday, two days ago. That was amazing. You, wait, how long do you stretch the shoe thing? I'm you, like, you can't. You the can't. shoe thing la- had legs, pardon the pun, but <laughs> when I saw that. Uh, <laughs> you, you know you love it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, like when I've read a couple of Dave Feshuk's uh, articles over the years, I've said to myself, Dear Diary, jackpot. <laughs> because the next day, you know, the Phil Kessel uh, summer story, that was the first day. And. Oh, man. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Dave, Dave's come through a big time for television. But yeah, so uh, that, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was, that was interesting, right? And you know, you're studying, I like to sound up questions a lot. Uh, you know, let the people like, I feel like sometimes they'll ask, answer it really like cliche. But if you sound up the question, like, what do you have to do to beat this team? You know, like people are like, whoa, I better listen to this. Sometimes the question is more interesting than the, uh, the, the answer. Like, like I, uh, you know, someone asked uh, Marner the other day, is like, do you feel like this organization has disrespected you? And I'm like, whoa, spicy meatball. And then, of course, he's like, no, I love it here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, got to put that question in. There was a great one with Connor, and I, I don't interview players. Sean, you ever talk to a hockey player? Twice. It's yeah. very enlightening. What, one of them was you right now, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't talk to hockey players, but, um, and I totally lost what I was going to say, so probably wasn't Flyers good. Win. I think, you know what, Matthews and Marner have pretty good personalities. They just, sometimes you got to find something that, you know, you know you have a good interview where their eyes light up a little bit and they're engaged. Um, you just got to find that, and it's tough because also when you're thinking about what's going to be a story on SportsCenter, the Leafs usually lead the show. Or near the top of the show because it's the Leafs, and so you can't really do a cadre cat story every day because if you like, literally someone in Vancouver is going to throw something at their television or throw their iPhone off a bridge or whatever. But uh, it's tough because it has to be you know about those big names and it has to be something new. And yeah, I, I, I will say this: I don't like I don't go and and talk to the players every day, but a couple of the times where I have been able to to go on the road and cover playoff series, I, I got to say because I I. I 
tell this story only because I did not know you could do this. It took me a while to figure this out. But one of the cool things that happens when when you're covering the playoffs is they kind of bring certain players out. And so you might be there. There might be some. It might be the backup goalie or probably not a goalie. It might be a like fourth line guy. It's just some guy sitting there, but he's the guy who's there. So you start talking to him and you've got, you know, you've got your, your tape recorder, your mic or whatever, and you're just talking to him and you can ask him a question and he can be in mid answer and somebody else comes out that you want to talk to more. You're allowed to just leave. You're allowed to just walk in mid-sentence. Everybody just turns because some slightly more famous player has shown up. And, like, I've seen guys just, like, and at the beginning, I didn't know that. So I was always the one guy left, like, waiting politely for him to finish his, his answer. You're talking and, to Chris Neal. Yeah, exactly. And he's just, like, trying to, like, you know, desperately looking around. But I've seen guys just get left completely hanging. They're, like, halfway through a sentence, yeah. and they're like, no, everyone's gone. All right, yeah. I guess I'm out of here. And it's great. As somebody who doesn't like talking or interacting with other human beings it was awesome i was really really thrilled to be sitting there and be like you know some millionaire famous athlete and just be like you're not good enough anymore and just turn and walk yeah when you know like austin's not in the room yet but he's coming it's dangerous you start to scrum with someone you're like i gotta be i gotta have an extra exit strategy here like i gotta get out so your head's on a swivel you're like and then if you're talking to someone like you know if you're talking with Tavares, but you need you know scott Tavares gives lengthy answers so if you're waiting for him to wrap up it might you gotta there's a lot of science to this really it's have you thought about if if you ever watch a scrum like i actually went i'd never been in the dressing room for a media scrum until yesterday and honestly i was like i was at the game last night and i don't really write game stories so i just like to watch games sometimes and afterwards i was like standing talking to myrtle and the door opens and i was like uh and everyone starts walking in i'm like well i guess i'm screwed now so in i go and what's funny and i didn't didn't realize this is that like they'll bring out a player and when the pr guy thinks he's talked long enough the pr guy goes Thanks, Austin. And then that's Austin's cue to just walk out of the thing. Now, what I'm thinking that you could do is if you're with John and, you know, he's yap, 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 yap. You just go, thanks, John. Like midway through his answer? Yeah, absolutely. He's such a good guy. He'd probably be like, okay. No, no, Freddie Anderson. No, but he wouldn't even realize. He might not even realize. It's just a cue, right? He's been trained. When he hears that, stop talking and leave. Yeah. That's a good trick. Freddie Anderson is like a low talker kind of. And it's he has interesting pauses in his statements. So, like, you'll cut him off accidentally because you're it's a scrum you're trying to get in there you know there's five other guys you want to get your question in there i need my time in the spotlight people want to hear from masters nation and like so you interrupt him and he doesn't stop you know he's like all right i'm done right you know he's like all right i'm done and you're like you feel terrible and you're like all right well here's my question but uh yeah it's it's a real art from the whole like concept of media scrums is kind of crazy when you think about it it's like literally guys come off and you're like asking them probing questions about their jobs like what if we went back there and like guys in the audience were like you know how do you feel that set when and you know were you you know that joke didn't land or you know like but 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 you know it was good but you, you could have done better you know and you're like Tyler Tyler talk about the mic falling apart yeah yeah what happened there you, some sweat on the hands I, I don't know fucking Toronto media. <laughs> next question Hey, guys. Uh, just in the front left here. Uh, in line with Sean's new book, talking about NHL history, uh, here's a question for each of you. If you could take any NHL player in history and transport them to the modern day, put them in the modern game, who would you guys choose? Oh, boy. You know, I, 
do, when they get transported into the future, do they magically go through a filter that like brings them up to modern uh, skill uh, levels? Oh, okay. Yeah. See, it, see, this. But they're is, allowed to train in the modern way now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Starting out, yeah, because like, I, <laughs> yeah, because I I've done this before going the other way where I, I play the time machine game and you sit down and go like, if we dropped Alexander Ovechkin in the 1950s, what would happen? And 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 you know like he'd be and, arrested for communism. Yeah. Well, yes, he would be. He would be very quickly. So he would not last in Washington. I don't. I don't feel optimistic about uh, how any of the old greats. I, I think it would actually depress me to like you know bring uh, you know like Maurice Richard into today and then like see him go out there and and you know the first time he runs into a neutral zone trap and uh, you know some of these guys and uh, it, it, I I don't know that it would necessarily go well. Who would I want to see and bring? You, you know what? I'm not even going to go that far back, but I'll, I'll tell you, if, if I'm, I'm going to add to your question an element that wasn't there, and I'm going to pretend that by bringing them into the future, also somehow miraculously, since we have time travel technology, we're also making them healthy, I want to bring Mario Lemieux back, because I watched that guy during the clutch and grab era, where, I mean, literally, he was dragging a backpack full of defensemen everywhere he went and was still doing ridiculous things and I, he's one of those guys I know it's he wasn't that far ago but put him in today's era with less of that and when you can't hack him on the wrist like Adam Graves every game I, th- I think he would be he would be one of the few guys that I think would really maybe even be better in today's era Bobby Orr is the name that kind of popped in my head with the way the game is played right now and like so many people have, I obviously didn't watch him but like everyone a lot of guys think he's the best like just the best ever like and I'd love to see him into the way today's game goes where offense is being driven from the back end and I think that'd be cool but good question another question here um with the reports that Florida might be going after Bob and Panarin who's most likely to mess up their team in the trade deadline offseason etc well it has nothing to do with Panarin and Bob but I, I assume the answer is Florida <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, usually the team I look at that is going to mess things up is going to be the bad team that doesn't realize it's a bad team. Uh, and I'm wondering at, you know, at this point, which bad teams are going to, you know, it's probably going to be one of those Western Conference teams. It's probably going to be someone like Chicago who's like, we only missed the playoffs by six points. We're pretty good. Uh, you know, Anaheim would be another one. Although, I mean, at some point, the, I mean, if they, if, if they don't win another game the rest of the year, maybe that'll light off the light bulb those loser points though yeah well that's true you know that's that's, it keeps the playoff races closer don't you know so uh yeah it'll i mean that's that's where you're worried about it's it's got to be a situation where a team is bad they don't think they're bad their gm doesn't want to lose his job uh and that's where things can get uh, can get really ugly vancouver I, I could definitely see it being Vancouver because, um, like, they're like, oh, we're good now. We just need some defense. And, like, they've signed, like, 8 billion defensemen over the years. So they never get good ones. They just get guys. And then, they like, they keep signing these centers, these checking centers for no apparent reason. And it's like, you know, so, like, like Vancouver, to me, has some serious potential to, like, look at this season and go, man, Elias Patterson's going to score 200 points, and we just got to get some grit around him, and, you know, and I could totally see the Canucks. It's, it's, they do have a very Toronto Maple Leafs sign David Clarkson. And yeah, Dave that's the smell, eh? Right you there, can yeah. just smell it in the air. It's crazy, though, because I was out in Kamloops for the World Juniors uh, Showcase. We don't call it Summer Showcase anymore. We... Hockey, um, but uh, they were like all in on this draft, right? They had this image of you know 
Quinn Hughes is going to be on the podium and they're going to get the number one pick and he's going to introduce his brother and that will be the uh, you know the heirs to the Sedins. But and now how quickly things change, right? How they can get you, you know you're right there, but you're not really right there. No, but think about who might put them over the top. Brent Seabrook. You have to. <laughs> you, you have to make the call. Hey, Mark, uh, when you review your performance tonight, do you think you talk too much about shoe polish? I'm sorry, uh, where's the questioner? Where is he? Oh, from there. Oh, sir, it's a very good question. Richard from CP24. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I'm going to go over the tape uh, for sure after this uh, session. I thought we've had some really good moments here tonight. I thought it's been lively, it's been crackling. Frankly, I don't think we spent enough time on the shoe polish, but I'll be here afterwards, and I'm happy to take any questions. Uh, you know, we're, Great we're, we're a team up here. If one of us talks too much about shoe polish, we all talk too much about shoe polish. And we've, we've got his back, and he's a good player. And uh, you know, Yeah, no, I, I, what I think is important is, you know, we came here, put in a good effort. And, you know, well, you know, we'll go back to the room and talk about what worked and what didn't, and we'll be better tomorrow. Yeah, Brownsy and Delzy, they've done great here. And <laughs> I don't think there is such thing as too much questions about shoe polish. That's just the way I was raised, but... Yeah, we got it done tonight, guys. Yeah. Great good. question, though. Real good. Real good. I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do more. Um, we're a few weeks from the NHL trade deadline, and I'm wondering if uh, big groups like the folks at TSN or at The Athletic or any other NHL insiders who might be present in the building tonight... Do you guys have, like, super awesome WhatsApp groups where you just talk smack about NHL players and share all the rumors and stuff like that, like we all do out here in the audience? Uh, I actually don't know shit. So I, I just text people I know who do know stuff, like friends in the media, and they'll tell me stuff, like, but they know that I'm not competing with them. So actually, it's pretty good. I'll be like, hey, I heard this, and they'll, like, tell me what's going on. I'm like, whoa. And then I don't, I don't report anything. So, so it works out pretty well for me. The key, I think, it's even, even better than, like, being, like, an insider is being a guy who knows a bunch of insiders and knows how to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> I mostly sometimes will hear from one of the insiders or whatnot if there's something that should be followed up on in the room. That's usually where I hear from uh, from them on that. And uh, the only WhatsApp group I really have is my ball hockey team. We're 0-5. And, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a good place to be right now. So that's the WhatsApp group I'm plugged into. Yeah, my... Uh, but I do it, think the TSN insiders do a really good job of working together. I've heard that. That's what, a legitimate answer to that if, question. If you really want to know what's going on, you got to get you got to corner an insider and get a couple of beers into them, and then uh, then you're 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 golden. You're gonna find out some stuff. Uh, so buy Chris a beer, and uh... <laughs> we have another question to the right side of the stage. Hey guys. So over the last couple of years, we've had the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, now it's the owner of the Cubs. Is Jim Lights about as bad as the NHL gets? And what would the league do if we had, like, a disaster for PR and ownership? I, I, I mean, Melnick's got to be getting close, right? I mean, he's not, he's, he's not to the level of I mean, he's not Clipper bad. Uh, but, I mean, the NHL has a long history of some really horrible owners. I mean, they, the, the, some of those guys you mentioned, uh, Harold Ballard could, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like they still have a way to go to get to him. I, you know, just the fact that people didn't ask him the right questions probably is why we didn't know even more horrible things about him. So I don't think the NHL is 
uh, is necessarily special there. I think, uh, and 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 it. I gotta tell you, it cracks me up being in Ottawa whenever some Ottawa fan is like, Melnick's worse than Harold Ballard, and I'm like, oh, you poor child, like you don't, <laughs> you don't even understand what the, what level of evil you were dealing with. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know, I, you know, I, it's funny. A lot of the people you mentioned are sort of really old dudes, like seventy plus. Like I think Donald Sterling was pretty old, right? Yeah, yeah real old, and 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 that Ricketts character seems to be very old. So. I don't know. Like I, 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 on a certain level, I think I'd be surprised if the NHL has issues like that, just because it seems to be sort of really old people who, you know, are just from a different time. And when people said stuff like that, and so, you know, I, I, I think that's as much of a, you know, age thing as it is, you know, anything else. Have yeah. oh, Are you? Were you going to say something, Mark? Sorry. Not anymore. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Next question. Hi, guys. So um, with all the talk about offer sheets that we have all seen going on in every hockey media out there, um, do you think with the way that the league is going right now, it's a genuine possibility that there is going to be a GM who offer sheets a player who's obviously in a tight salary cap team, whether it be Toronto or Tampa? Um, And if you were an NHL GM strategically thinking if you could offer a sheet uh, impending RFA, um, who would it be? I think that Darren Ferris is going to show up young Mitch Marner. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we kind of have to be careful with what we're saying. If you say, you know, is there a GM out there who would offer sheets someone there? I, I, I do think there are GMs out there who would look at offer sheets and would consider doing them this year. A GM can send an offer sheet to a player, but then the player has to sign that offer sheet. And that's a real tough situation because if you're, even if you're Mitch Marner, you know, and on July 1st, you somebody calls you up and says we'll give you more money than austin matthews you you might want that but you know if you sign it it's probably going to get matched now you're the bad guy in toronto now you're the one everyone's looking at you got the big spotlight on you so i I think it's unlikely uh that we will see any offer sheets signed i think we might see some offer but we won't necessarily know that we won't we won't hear about it uh what i do think could happen this time around is is it's not we always talk about offer sheets or seem to think about offer sheets as a as a july 1st thing Keep an eye on the guys who don't get signed because we've had two things happen, both in Toronto right here, where Austin Matthews has raised the bar for RFAs and William Nylander has shown that you can go deeper into the season without signing an extension than, than anyone had before. And I think it is, it is certainly possible that some big-name guys might make it to training camp and even into the season without new contracts. And once that happens... Now it's a little bit of a different scenario. If I'm into the, if I'm getting into November and I know that I've got a December first deadline and I'm not even going to get to play after that, I might be willing to sign an offer sheet, even if I know it's going to get matched. I might say, you know what, I'm going to sign an offer sheet, and my spin on it, if you try to make me the bad guy, is I just wanted to play hockey, so I signed something so I could get back out there. Yeah, I think what you might see too, and just on the the timing point of them, it's kind of funny. I, I don't think you'll see any in July. Because the problem with that is that there's that 10% salary cap bubble in the summer that teams get, so they get they can go 10% over the cap. So the problem with that is if you go offer sheet some dude and then his team's got two months to figure it out, they'll just match and figure it out. Where the time to offer sheet somebody's on the first day of the season because all of a sudden that, that bonus cap room is gone. And um, and so if, if say, Marner got offer sheeted for $12 bucks on day one of the season, uh, you know that's going to put a bit of a crimp in the Leafs' 
plans because they don't have as much time and space to move somebody out uh, to deal with it. So, so I do think it will happen. Um, and you know, I don't know who it will be, but, um, it wouldn't surprise me if it does happen a little later. And I also think that there may just be an effect of it. Like if everybody's talking about offer sheets and there's already a little more cover to pay somebody cause the Leafs have paid Nylander and Matthews really well. Um, what you might end up seeing is just a guy will go, do I need to go get an offer sheet? Do I have to go through this? Or are you just going to pay me based on these precedents? And and that might be what takes place. Yeah. And as far as who, who I'd go after, because I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think we're going to see a, a player switch teams on an offer sheet. I think GMs are going to, are still going to match it for a couple reasons. There's, there's a little bit of game theory where maybe it makes sense to just say, I'm always going to offer. But don't also underestimate how much all of these guys in NHL front offices are these, like, alpha dog types who are like, you're not going to come into my organization and steal one of my players. I'm going to match, and I'll figure it out the rest of the way. But there could be strategically a a point where you might want to offer sheet someone else's player, even if you know they're going to match. And the one team that I look at, because it would have to be a team that thinks they're going to be pretty good sometime, that has a team in their division they want to go after, that has the money just in case, the one team that jumps out at me is maybe the Buffalo Sabres going after either Marner or Braden Point. Because if you're the Sabres, you're looking at your path out of the Atlantic the next few years. If there's any teams you want to screw over cap-wise, the Leafs and Tampa, even if they match, let them deal with a headache that they have to break up some of that roster. I think that might not be a bad strategy for the for a team like the Sabres. I'm really well, Montreal. Wouldn't that make sense for Montreal too? Then because they've like yep. I, I I really like what Montreal's done because they've built like a fairly inexpensive team. Like Bergevin, in the last couple of years, like he's been pretty good and and they're another one for whom that would make a lot of sense and and maybe even detroit if they think they're going to be back faster than than everyone else seems to think they are wyshynski seems to think that like he seems to think the wings are all in i'm really disappointed the leafs canceled tomorrow's practice because i was planning a story on the andreas jansen offer sheet (laughs) just to keep the ball rolling here but do you guys think more guys in that you know jansen kapanen range might be kapanen is a guy that you 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 could because yeah. that's one where you could maybe get the player right. because you know are they going to pay this guy four million or are they going to take the uh, take the picks Saturday morning skate story there you go TSN.ca da-na-na da-na-na Kapanen talks about the offer sheet drama this is totally different what you guys have been talking about but I mean like International Women's Day is coming up March what is it 8th I believe it is and you see within the May Police organization, like Haley Wickenheiser is on their staff. Uh, women have been starting to go to the ref combine. I think there was a woman who was um, officiating in the NCAA recently as well. So what do you guys think about that in terms of the evolving role of women within the National Hockey League? I think it's going to blow up. I think if you look at, for me, for a lot of best practices, I sort of look at the NBA because I think that the NBA is kind of the most progressive league in North American sport. And they've been hiring women as assistant coaches. Uh, Some of those women, I believe there's a woman with the Spurs named Mm -hmm. Becky Salmon, I want to say her name is. Pardon me? Hammond, thank you. Thank you. And she, I think, has had head coach interviews. Like, she's, she's, you know, perceived within the league as being, you know, a serious contender for head coach jobs. So, you know, I I think that, you know, in a lot of things, you know, the NHL is sometimes a little slower than other leagues. But I think that you're starting to see it come in the NHL, and the Leafs have been really progressive in that regard. Um, So I absolutely think it's going to happen in hockey. Um, and, And I think there'll be lots of roles for or 
you know, I, you know, I, I hope there's lots of roles. I think that I think there'll be. It'll start with more, and and I think seeing the success that other teams and other leagues have had with it. I think the NFL has some female uh, position coaches too, maybe or, or quality control coaches they call them. So it's happening elsewhere. I'm sure it's. I I, I do believe it will come to hockey. Yep, and well, I mean baseball too. There's uh, high up in the front offices. Oh so sure, it's, um, it's yeah, the woman who was with the Dodgers. Dodgers for a long yep. Time, yep. So yeah. it's it's there, and unfortunately, it's add it to the list of things where it seems like the NHL needs all the other leagues to do it years in advance before they get around to it. But it's it's hopefully on the way. Do you guys want to do any uh, award predictions? Like Jack Adams, you guys want to make any calls on that? I mean, could Bill Peters be a front runner potentially for the Jack Adams, just everything that he's done with the Calgary Flames? I think the problem with, with Bill Peters' front runner is that people thought the Flames were going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So that, that no, sorry, I, your team was expected to be okay. Wait, so then the Islanders? Islanders. Yeah. Barry Trotz. I gotta say, I, I I see a trap. This is you're trying to get me to say Bill Peters, so that all no. my all my friends out there in Islander fan land will get mad at me, <laughs> hear about this, and I'll have to deal with that for another month. What do you think about Claude Julian? Oh, he'd be a great candidate. I think the three finalists for me, I'd yeah. say Talkett, Julian, and Trotz. Yeah. That's that's well. When I say for me, I mean that's who I think it will be. John Cooper, I think has done a, like I mean we know he's overlooked the bet. Like they're playing at a, such a high level, they have yeah, no, no dips. They it's were so supposed impressive. to be good and they're good. But, no, he's been average. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you don't get rewarded for doing well. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were talking about Ovi and just, you know, transporting him potentially to a different era. What and he's doing right him. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're not recording this panel tonight, are we? No, that's good. Um, oh, someone's <laughs> bugging this. But uh, Ovi right now, what does he have? 37 goals. He's leading the league in that particular category. He just passed Sergei Fedorov for the highest goal scorer, a Russian-born player. Um, What do you make of just everything that he's been able to accomplish year after year? And he's, what, 33 now? I I think he's the greatest goal scorer in in NHL history. I I don't think he's going to necessarily get to Wayne Gretzky's total, but I think when you look at the era and, and what he's facing... I think he's the single greatest goal scorer that the, the NHL has ever had. But he's never won. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys three see heart him? Trophies. He has more heart trophies than Sid. Did which... he have the heart? And we found out last year he did. Yes. So that's good. And the liver. And the liver, yeah. I think the hell of a liver. Like post-NHL career, Ovi could have his own reality show. I would watch that from him like frolicking in fountains with the Stanley Cup to riding dolphins on the NHL bye week. I would tune in, wouldn't you guys? I don't think he has to retire for that to happen. No? I think if, if he wins one more Stanley Cup, that's it. That'll just be like be intermission. Nail it in. It'll just be like, oh, there he goes. He's, He's on a the great personality, <laughs> eh? He's, we're blessed. Like, not just a scoring, but like... I just remember the World Cup in 2016, and, you know, you're asking, sometimes you ask stupid questions because you're asking a lot of questions. You're just kind of spraying the infield trying to get something. Like, you know, what's the mood? They're playing Canada in the semifinal. Like, what's the mood around the team? He's like, we're terrified. We're really upset. Kuznetsov's crying in the corner. Like, he was basically said that. He's like, we're very uh, worried. We're, like, we're, we're terrified. I'm like, oh, you know, you ask a question like that, you deserve an answer. Like, but it was a good answer because it had personality. So basically be stupid, and you might get an answer. I like that guy who asked yesterday if uh, he asked Matthews. He's like, have you been talking to other teams? He asked it so accusatory. Who was it? I don't want to say. I've heard it was someone who doesn't ordinarily cover the Leafs. Maybe didn't know that you can't do that. (laughs) It was. We're not here to name names. You don't have to. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Come by at the end here. Buy him a beer. Radio reporter. Yeah. Local Everybody news. who buys a book gets to learn the name. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and I'll sign it and we'll make it work for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, at the NHL All-Star Weekend, they were trying out the, the puck tracking, putting all the, the what, what do they call it? Like the... Holsters, chips. the chips yeah, on the players. Chips on them, yeah. uh, what do you think about that potentially being implemented into the league? Because that was a technology that was originally going to be used by FIFA, and just because all the logistics surrounding that didn't necessarily pan out, now they're looking at the NHL. Do you like that concept? Is that something that players would enjoy having the uh, uh, information? Well, what's going to happen if they start generating that information is a lot of teams are going to go, we need analytics guys. And I, for one, am for that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's, that's my first thing. I think it's interesting on the players. I've heard that it actually varies a lot depending on age. I've heard that the older guys are a little more, ah, in my day, we had Corsi, you know. And, and, <laughs> and the younger guys are like, this is awesome, because I guess, I don't know, probably Fortnite, I imagine, has all sorts of data. And, and, but they, they, they love that stuff, right? Like it's, but it's, it's honestly like you look at the kids, and they grow up like, you know, they're much more used to that level of you know data and you know they're they're comfortable you know getting that information what's his old man myrtle at the uh at the athletic he's talked about like meeting kids now who like grew up reading him and like they don't even know what it was like for us when we were growing up reading like you know like the old-timey hockey guys who'd be like yeah well i talked to the gm and he said you know we got to be more clutch and grittier and that was like gospel and now they're like you know and, and some of the players are kids who grew up reading hockey and journalism the way it's changed so i think what you'll see is that the younger guys will really take to it and they'll find it really cool and um you know eventually I think somebody else had a plan for all the Leafs old guys to go, but that's going to happen. And so I, I think the players will really take to it. Punk. Punk kids. Yeah. But the, the one thing is it is going to be fascinating when we know how to use this stuff, but it's going to take a while to get there, and there's going to be some really bad junk on there. Like, there's going to be... We saw it kind of... The All-Star game, they were just throwing everything out there, but there's going to be some bad stuff. And, and like Tyler said... Some teams are going to hire smart analytics people to figure this out, and some teams are going to get sold a bunch of snake oil by people and uh, are going to make really bad decisions. And we're going to hear a lot. I, I said this on the podcast, but I, uh, my one wish with all of this is as soon as we start getting tracking on, like, who skates the fastest during the game and who skates the furthest, we're going to have all these old-timers telling us that it's nothing they didn't already know. So I would love it if they told us right now. Like, tell me who skates the furthest in the league right now. I would love to hear that. And, you know, so that when we then find out a couple of years from now, you're not going to turn around and go, oh, yeah, we totally knew that all along. And it's like we all knew oh. Justin Williams was awesome yeah. before you nerds started. Talking <laughs> exactly. About exactly. And I don't even know, like, you know, like, is it good to skate really far during a game or is it bad? We Wasn't don't even really Brent know Burns? that yet. So I mean, it was like five kilometers yeah. or something. And, I they, and they threw that at us like, there you go. Five kilometers. And it's like. Okay. Sure. And then we're going right. to talk about, oh, five kilometers. That's, uh, yeah, it's a big night for Burns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Real, yeah. real big night. Like, we're going we're gonna to get all obsessed on who skates the furthest, and then we're going to find out that, like, the good players don't do that because they, they don't need to. And it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating, but there's going to be this whole gap in the middle where it's going to be awful. Just to Sean's point, though, it is going to be awesome. And, like, it's funny you talk about, like, maybe skating too much is too bad, but, like, there's a guy, Lionel Messi, who plays for Barcelona, best player in the world, and there was a brilliant story on 538, I want to say, a few years ago, 
that looked at how little he ran relative to like every other high-end soccer player in the world and he just basically walks around then every so often he does like an act of genius but what I think this is exciting about as a fan is having the ability to have stories told to us that you know will really take us in how it really works and and it'll be stuff that we had no idea so it's gonna be pretty fun yeah I love the advances because we get cool new graphics in television and I like to see like a little fire vapor trail behind McDavid and then a little bar come down from the score bug like he was going that fast you know someone's really tired you know put a little pillow on the bench you know we could do all sorts of things like think about the advancements we can do guys break those, those will be on national broadcast mark yeah not regional we don't have the budget <laughs> what with my shoes and all mark you talked about years ago having a good rapport with clark MacArthur. is there anyone on the current roster that you look to or you know you kind of really jive with well that's a good question yeah uh, I've always had a soft spot for Nazem Kadri, maybe because he's been around the longest. Uh, Bozak's gone now, but he just is the kind of go-to guy that if you just, it could be any topic, but he would give you a, like a good answer. You know, you could ask him like, you know, the eclipse happened last night, Nas. You know, what do you make it? He's like, I don't look at eclipses. You know, I'm busy doing. You look at the eclipse, it'll damage your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> and the president is like, you know, but uh, yeah, like, Nazem's kind of a go-to guy, and it's it pains me that he's he's fallen a bit down the depth chart. But you know, he's he's a pretty good go-to guy. We have, I think, we have a pretty good room right now, with the least, to be honest with with you, Travis Dermott. Uh, I'm sure the the Marley's folks will will know this that he's he's like my. He's not a big enough star. At TSN, we kind of, like, you know, do a story on Marner, do a story on Matthews, maybe, you know, throw in a Nylander at some point, a Riley. But, you know, you can't, because it's a national show, you can't really sell. Because it's a national show, we're only going to talk about the Leafs. Show. <laughs> yeah, because the people across the country hate the Leafs or they love them. So uh, it's a national story. But, uh, you know, it's great because on optional game day skates, which they're doing more and more now, which you, usually they bring two guys out, and then the guys who do the optional skate are the rookies, and the young guys are playing down in the lineup who are available. But Travis Dermott is, like, the go-to support sound good on anything you know travis what do you make of casperi he's so fast eh? and he's like yeah this guy's so fast oh man he's the fastest guy in the league we could do like great and he's so he's so energetic too, his last right? name has the first letter is his first name yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he like he's just hilarious so like he'll come off we'll talk to the two guys at the backdrop and then he'll come off and i'll be like travis dermott there you are to save the day and then he's just like that perfect third clip in the story where you're like you know austin is like blah 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 and then dermott Boom. So I like Travis Dermott. I love Nazem Kadri. There's a lot of good guys in there. Uh, but those are kind of my two go-tos right now, I would say. You mentioned Dermott. There's this feature on the Leafs YouTube page. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called Leaf to Leaf. And so Dermott sits down with Justin Hall. They were former teammates with the Marlies, obviously up with the Leafs. And I was howling because Dermott was asked to describe Justin Hall. Like if he were to make him a dessert, what type of dessert would he make him? And he was so descript. He was like, you would be a creme brulee because people think that you're hard on the outside, but on the inside, you're soft and sweet. And I was just like, what? And these two have started a band together. I don't know if you guys have seen that, which I never would have known that. And I like that some of these young players aren't afraid to show their personality. Mitch isn't afraid to show his personality. Austin's starting to come out of his shell. We saw the Nutcracker performance. So you're getting the, the little... photo shoots. Yeah, exactly. So it's great. We'll beat that out of them within a few more years and get them to... I, I do worry about that. Yeah, get, we'll get them, get them to a Crosby level of uh, uh, nothingness. Uh, I hope not. 
got. I don't know. We'll fix him. Dermot's got an indomitable spirit, so hopefully we don't crush him. But he's. I do worry about that. But. Well, this was so great, guys. Thank you so much. We extended the panel a little bit longer because we took a while to get up on the stage. But thank you so much for coming out here this evening. We really appreciate you making the trek here, asking some really great questions, getting the best out of these guys, right? So thank you for coming down here Thanks, to Puff everyone. Talk. Thank you. For our panel. Thanks, Thanks to Kevin Kennedy for putting on a great show, and we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Kev. 